0: Lord, we thank you for Dave Campbell. We thank you for his heart in you. We thank you that he's here today to encourage each and every one of us in our journey with you. Lord God, we, we pray that you fill him with your anointing. We pray that you, fill him, you, you lead him in your way, Lord God. We pray that his heart is filled with you. Amen? Amen. 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 Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Right. Take you. Okay, all right, all right. What's that? Is that? Let's talk amongst yourselves. I'll get you going. Oh, that's better. Well, <laughs> <laughs> like it's your spotlight and beauty, you know that. That's great. Well done, all you brave people. <clears throat> but you weren't blown away, were you, the wind and stuff? I actually had a great journey down from St. Albans because there's all this warning about the wind, so people didn't come out on the road. It was great. The roads are not empty, but better than usual, so that was quite nice. It's nice to be in Bewbush for the sun always. <laughs> Maybe not. Maybe not. But that'd be great. I want, to, I want to read out the Bible if I can, um, from John chapter 11, and um, <clears throat> it's the raising of Lazarus, you know, when Lazarus was raised from the dead, because there's a story of that, because Jesus, <clears throat> did a bit before that, they came and said to Jesus, um, Lazarus, who you love, is, is really ill, and <laughs> because he knew that, he waited three days. I mean, I would think, oh, If somebody went to one of my best friends and says, David's really ill, i would go, yeah, I'll go in a few days then. i think, wow, wow, that's interesting. So he intentionally stayed away to let him die, really. I'd be buried because he wanted to resurrect him. And he turns up, Mary and Martha's sisters, um, sort of come up, Martha's one up first, and she says to him, "Um, Jesus, if you'd been here, you wouldn't have died. And then, sort of, Mary says the same. And Jesus says, Somebody, he'll he, he rise again. He's, he's going to be resurrected. He so says, Yeah, 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 in the resurrection. Way, way, way. So it's almost as if they had faith that for yesterday, if Jesus had been there, it could have happened yesterday. And they had faith for a way, way in the future. But Jesus was coming to say, "Is anyone got faith for today? Is and so sometimes it's easier faith for yesterday, faith for the future. But God's looking for people to have faith for something that happened today. Yourself, I thought it was great. (laughs) So, John chapter 11, verse 38, we've that bit. It's just after the shortest verse in the Bible. Do you know what the shortest verse in the Bible is? It's it's, it's John 11, verse 35. Jesus wept, just two words. So, he he knows pain, he knows sadness. And in verse 38, then Jesus, again groaning in himself, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone laid against it. And Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said to him, Lord, by this time there's a stench, for he's been dead four days. And Jesus said to her, did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. And I know that you always hear me, but because of the people who are standing by, I said this, that they may believe that you sent me. Now when he said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he who died came out bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said to them, loose him and let him go. Amen. Amen it's good to read the Bible but so what I'm going to talk about is quite simply it's just about partnering with God just like he wants us to work with him and, and, and if you forget everything else this is a little phrase is that, is that he wants us to do what we can do so as he can do what only he can do does that make sense? God still wants us to do what we can do and then he'll do what only he can do and that's what this, some people say, oh, we need the Holy Spirit. and But that, that sounds right, but it's not the way God works. He wants us to partner with Him for miracles and to see something happening. And that's stories about that. Lazarus is just, it's a good example, Look, a couple of those, but man did his part. And so when, 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 when Jesus comes to the tomb, he says, there's a big stone in front, probably a huge big stone in front. And he says to, like, I don't know, this, this is my version of it. So he said, hey, you four lads, move the stone and go, what? He said, you four lads, just move the stone. Now, Jesus, when he was resurrected, when the woman came to the tomb, do you remember, the stone was already moved away. An angel moved it for. So why couldn't Jesus do it then? I mean, that would have been, that didn't really, can you imagine just seeing, you said, okay, angels move the stone. That would have, everybody would be, wow, did you see that? And then something moved the stone, that's amazing, but he didn't. He said, I want you, you and I am guess it's four lads or something, just you move the stone. And what happens now is, say it was those four lads, they are going to partner in a miracle that will change their lives Forever. They'll never be they have never be the same again. Somebody will say, I wasn't really dead, say so, hey listen, listen, we moved. something had crawled in there and died. <laughs> something. When we move when we moved those that whoa, the smell that came out of the one place, there's definitely somebody died in there. And that, that was a real miracle. They were a part of seeing a miracle. And so it's almost Jesus saying, I want you to do the bit that you can do. I'll raise them from the dead, but you just roll away with the stone and partner in a miracle with me. And then Jesus stands and he says, um, Lazarus, come forth. I heard a preacher who said, if Jesus just said, come forth, it would have been like the day of the zombies. Every dead person would have come out. And so something like Jesus goes, Laz- only Lazarus back. Oh, <coughs> you'll have to wait for the resurrection. Only Lazarus come forth. Only Lazarus. Just, so Lazarus come out. And, he, and he's all bound. He's because they, they they mummified people really, which must have been quite uncomfortable when you woke up. <laughs> to, so, 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 but he'd be sort of all bound at that, not hardly walking with that. And he'd have a, a something across his face as well. And I don't know how to put this, but if somebody didn't do something, this is going to be one of the shortest resurrections in the Bible. <laughs> I mean, because he's always, but he saying? Something like. I think he said, but he said, I can't breathe. That's what he's trying to say. I can't breathe. Somebody come and help me. And so so Jesus says, Go loose them. And it's interesting because it's, it appears to me that sometimes some people become a Christian and they've got no problems whatsoever. They just walk free. They just walk other people need the ministry of the church to help them take the bandages off and take the stuff off and let them breathe. And that's the ministry of the church to them. But when Jesus was resurrected from the dead, there's a little pile of Bandages and wrappings and, and it was all put nicely, neatly so it could have done that I mean, can you imagine on the inside, in that tomb an angel could have appeared and, and, and when Lazarus was raised from the dead and he could have said to Lazarus okay, we're just going to have to get you changed they're all waiting for you so take that off, you'll die, take that off and fix your hair and all that sort of stuff, get ready the stone's going to open and you're going to have to walk out but he didn't do that he didn't do that. He, he let other people partner in the miracle. And it's not a very exciting thing to do, is it? Move away a stone or take sort of bandages off what was somebody was a dead man. And God wants us to actually partner with him in the miracle to do what we can do. And maybe what you can do, what I can do. Isn't that exciting? Another story is, remember, the first miracle of Jesus in the Bible is uh, when he turned water into wine. Which upset a lot of Christians, I have to tell you. Someone turned back into water again. But, but he turned water into wine at a wedding. And, uh, and when he turns up at this wedding in Canaan of Galilee, um, it, must, it must have been somebody related to his mum or something, because Mary was there. Uh, and then she seems to be like a guest of honour because they come to ask her asking what to do. So she, she obviously knew the people and was respected by them. And they come in and sort of ask you what to do. And just by the by, it's almost like a, so, some people think you can pray to Mary, you can talk to Mary. I'm not going into that, but I don't think you can, actually. I think once you're dead, you're gone. But but they say, if you ask Mary, it, it makes it easier. Rather than go to Jesus, it might say no. If you ask his mum, she's bound to say yes. And, and his mum will ask him, so that makes it easier. But actually, this is the only time where somebody did pray or ask Mary something, she says to Mary, what are you doing? Don't, don't Mary answers? There is over there. Ask him yourself. And I think if you could, and I don't think you can, if you could speak to Mary in heaven and say something to her, I think she'd say, there is over there. Ask him yourself. So that's what they did. And one asked them. And he said, there was these um, six big pots about that height of uh, empty pots that hold 30 gallons each. I mean, I can't think how much. That. I think 30 gallons would be about that high. It's a lot. And the six of them. That's 180 gallons. And so Jesus says, um, fill, fill those empty pots up with water. Now, sometimes you just read the Bible. You don't think, how did that happen? There's probably a little girl whose job it was to fill up with water. At a wedding, people aren't asking for water. They're all drinking the wine. So she's probably had quite an easy time of it up until now. And, suddenly says, and then says, Do you fill it? Well, fill what with what? Well, fill these, well, this, this. I, there's no hose pipes. There's, there's no taps. She's got a bucket. She has to take this bucket, go out into the yard, drop it down the well, bring it up, bring it over, and pour it in. And probably think, That made absolutely no difference at all. And she goes back and forward. It probably took an hour, maybe two hours, to fill 180 gallons of water going into jars. They think, it was just as easy for Jesus to say, see those empty jars? Go have a look. They're full of, they're full of wine now. It's just as easy as a miracle, really. But a little girl is partnering with a miracle that's actually going to change her life and everyone else's life. Some people say, well, you know, it was, it was full of wine all the time. She said, it was not. I when, because in this church nobody helps you. Once you get a job, you're on your own. I'm just, I'm, I'm in and out, in and out. I was there all night. Did my brother help? No, my sister. Nobody helped me. I was in and out that bucket, sort of 180 times. That's how many times I was. I hold up, that, that gallon bucket of mine, 180 times I filled it all the way to the top. That was water, water. I know it was water because I did it, and I saw the miracle, and I saw something amazing happen. I filled them up. I often wonder why God bothers helping us. You know, why, why did He let us help Him? And uh, you might not believe this, but I'm a grandfather six times. And so I've got six grandchildren now. And and, and two two of them, uh, some of you know little Judas. Judah. Judah's five now, but he's got two cousins, Zoe and Zara, who are identical twins. They're five now. And they often come around our house in summer. They come around helping the garden. Now, it takes me 20 minutes to do our garden, to water it, and just pull out the weeds that I see if I'm on my own. It takes me nearly an hour if the twins help me. It takes a lot longer. I'm like, no, no, put that down. No, no, that's not a weed. That's a flower. Well, that is a, No, 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 no. And they've got their own little watering. It's really cute. I love it. And just, I, they melt my heart. You know, just oh, bless you. That's great. That's wonderful. After what I've tied up later on, and so after about an hour, they go in and they say, to Granny, Granny, we've been helping Grandad. And she says, well, where's Grandad? Grandad's outside, tidying up, because, because not only have they decimated my garden, every tool that was in the shed is all spread around the, on, on the garden. So it takes me like an hour and a half. You know, what would have been 20 minutes on my own becomes an hour and a half. You think, what's the point of that? But, but I have got a lot of joy out of seeing my grandchildren do something. And they really believed they helped. And they saw sort of helped. I mean, the, the plants did get watered. So they sort of helped, but, but but they're not really helping. And I think sometimes God allows us to be used, and we feel great. So I've, I've helped God. I've, I've surrendered my life to Jesus today. That will help him. And almost imagine Gabriel and the angels go, Oh, not another one. <laughs> because how can God use us? And I think only an, only an almighty God could use incompetent human beings like me to do things in an incompetent, imperfect way. And still bring about his perfect will. Only God could do that. He just sees what I'm doing, says, okay, I'll fix it, I'll make it work, it'll be okay. And he gives us that significance. Because it takes a while. It takes about Time to be finished at one o'clock, or two o'clock. I'll just watch the time I'll run along a little bit. Because sometimes we have to see that, that it takes a while. Becoming a disciple of Jesus, we're not all perfect yet. And if you're not careful, you can look around at everybody else and think everybody else is doing better than me, or you can think you're doing better than everybody else. But it's really, you can only measure yourself against yourself. That's the only way it works, really. Am I moving on? Am I getting better? Am I? That's the only way to sort of say, where, where, where was I last year? Where am I this year? How, how am I going to get on? Because you'll never, ever finish this process. And one of the problems is that some of the things which, um, some of the things we want don't come easy, like patience. You know, patience. How, how do you get patience? Do you know what the Bible says. Tribulation worketh patience. So be very careful when you ask for patience, because you just say, God, I can do a whole dose of tribulation to help me be more patient. And then there's that word long suffering. There's a hint in the name. And then it says, oh, I want to love people. How does God help you love people? He gives you people who are hard to love. And so some of these things, but, almost, but I don't, I want to become a really loving Christian. I want to become someone who knows his Bible really well. I become someone who, but I don't want to do the bit in between. You know, it's a bit like, I want, I want to go to the charity shop and buy the medals. I don't want to have to go to war. You know, I want the medals, but I don't want to fight. I don't, I don't, want, to, I don't want to do that. We have to learn that, that uh, it's going to take us a while. Because the problem is that disciples sounds like discipline. And that always sounds like punishment. It's not like if God disciplines us, it sounds like you're being punished. But actually, there's, there's some things that are good disciplines, like like getting out of bed in the morning. That's a good discipline. Going to bed on time, eating three square meals. I've, I've managed to do that one through the years. But there's other things which which... We all have different philosophies and ideas. Like, let me tell you, this might be controversial. You ready something controversial? How you bring up your children, that's phenomenally changed, really. It's sort of like, so I know this family, and they've got, th- she's three, that one's three. They've never smacked her, and never, ever, never, ever even threatened it. They've never raised a voice to her, they've never, ever put her in the naughty corner. And they've never ever sort of uh, disciplined her, really, as far as I can see, in any way at all. She just, they just call a princess and give her everything she wants. If you call your daughter princess, you'll spend the rest of your life serving her. You know that, don't you? So, she's saying, And they just call her my little princess. Three. What do you think of that? Oh, she's three weeks. That's that's say three years? No, she's three weeks old. She's three weeks old. You know, oh, that's different. But what age would you start saying, put that down? No, don't do that. Yes, do that. What age do you start helping children to put parameters around their life? And I can remember talking to my children growing up, because I used to say to Sophie, some of you know Sophie, our eldest, um, I used to say, we're practicing on you so we get it right for your sister. you think that's a, We've only got you to practice on. So uh, but, but it's almost like, I, I don't know how to bring children up. I don't know how to do that. We're just going to try and do our best. But I do know uh, all children know at least one child who's spoiled at home and is allowed to do anything like that. And I said, do you want be like that child? No, I don't. I want to be someone who knows the right boundaries about respect and caring for people and loving other children, not grabbing toys off other children, hitting other children. I don't want my child to be like that. And so the, 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 the barriers, I, I have to teach them at some point, at some point to teach them that discipline is not punishment, it's encouragement to become the person you were born to be, the fullness of it. Because... <clears throat> sometimes it can feel as if life's full of rules you know what I mean? Like, you want to do this and do that and I have this little, here's my little quote I don't, I don't like rules, I'm just as few rules as possible in life that's the way I am because good people don't need rules and bad people won't keep them anyway so why have a lot of rules, good people don't need them because they know what's right and wrong Bad people won't keep them anyway. It's to do with the heart. And actually, a a disciple isn't someone who's disciplined to do what they're told. A disciple is someone who's taught how to make good decisions. That's what discipleship's about. That's what following Jesus is about. It's not just become obedient people. It's actually choosing to do the right thing because our heart wants to do the right thing. That's why you need your brain to be a Christian. You still need, you still need it. I know some people might be keeping us in brand new condition in case they can trade it in for something, but you can't. You've got to use your brain because it, 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 it teaches those sort of things. And God wants us to grow up and be different. Now, let me go back to these children. When, How God speaks to you today should be different to how he used to speak to you. Let me tell you why. An example of that. So I've got the twins. When they were two years old, I am the responsible adult left with two children. That's multitasking, you know. But there's two of them. That is definition multitasking. And I can remember being in, in our house, in, in their house actually, and I'm in the lounge. And they both ran out at the same time. You know, you're, you're praying for them to walk, and then they walk. You think, oh no, it's twice as much work to look after them. So one went that way, and one went that way. And I thought, whose life do I save? Because you know, if children, if you leave them when they're on their own, they'll go kill. They'll do something dangerous, won't they? So I thought, well, she's gone in there, but she's gone in the kitchen. There's about my knives there or something. They'll do something, so I run after one of the knives, and I managed actually to save them both. But when they're two years old, you deal with them different, and I don't know. I don't remember being this anxious about my own children, but uh, maybe you just get more like it when you're a grandparent and, and so forth. But whenever we're getting near a road, I'm always holding the hands, give me a hand, give me both your hands. And it's like, it's like children will hold your hand any anytime they like, except when you want them to. So as soon as you say you want to, no, I don't. Give me your hand. Give me your hand. Hold my hand. Hold my hand. Come here. Come here. Listen. Listen. See those cars? All of them are trying to kill you. All of them. All of them. All of them. I don't know what you've done to them, but I just know every car driver secretly is trying to knock people over. So stay beside me. Don't stay here. And I'm holding. them. They're squirming. You can't believe it. Two, two two-year-olds get exercise enough force on you to make you feel like you're going to be ripped apart because they're thinking, stop it. I'm just just hold on to me. And now the five. I said. Stop at the curb. Wait, stop. You can go to the curb and then you have to stop and wait for us to all cross together, okay? That, that's what you have to, that's what, when they're, when they're 10, you have to say, wait, wait for me, wait for me. But all across together. Actually, Nivea is 11 now, our, our oldest granddaughter. And this is, this is, I can't believe this happened. We were out somewhere in the busy road. We came up the busy road. She took my arm. I just couldn't help me across the road. <laughs> And I said, never, yet, just stop that. Just stop that. I don't need seeing across the road. Thank you very much indeed. I'm having an old and decrepit. I'm not quite there yet. But you almost think, well, if God is, if I'm still speaking to an 11 year old like she's a two year old, either there's something wrong with me or there's something wrong with her. But there's nothing wrong with God. So if he's still speaking, sometimes you ever, you ever feel as if God's telling you to do something, you think, but well, I need more instructions than that. And he says, no, you don't. I'm not made you to be a robot. I made you to think righteously. I made you to be able to be in control of your own life. Being a disciple is not being controlled by God. It's being under control for God. So I said, under control, so we can use him. He can use us. Because the Father shouldn't be speaking to us the way he used to. Do you know when when you're grown up and your parents say things to you, you think, when I have children, I will never say that. I will never say that. I will never say that to my children, ever, ever. And one of the things was... my, my. because I just argued argue with my parents quite a lot, I said, "But the government said, my dad, even God's only got ten rules, you know, even God's only got ten commandments. We've got a lot more commandments in our house than the Bible has." <clears throat> and the ultimate phrase was, "You'll do that because I said so." Sometimes you just run out of the argument and say, "I don't care. I don't care what other people's." Are allowed to do their mummy and daddy allows them to do as long as you live on the mild roof. And I've ever had that speech. You ever done that one yet? I think we we're about eight before I used that. <laughs> because you almost think because <clears throat> I don't know. That's my last response when reason doesn't work. You have know, have to get to that point. But hopefully you're doing something different. Because the problem is nobody likes being corrected. Nobody likes having boundaries put down for them. Even no matter how good they are, nobody likes to feel they've been told to do something. So, Am I the only person, that if you see a sign, do not walk on the grass, you just want to do it? I, I don't, and I didn't have a desire to walk on that grass until I saw that. I have no desire. Or, or, do not touch. When you see things in shock, do not touch. And I want to touch that. I really, I don't know why, I really want to touch that. Take me out of here. I'm about to do something, but I'll break something. But I just, I just, whenever I'm told not to do something, I just want to do it. It's not good, really. <laughs> Is it? It's like, um, I was in Toys R Us before it clo- I don't know how Toys R Us closed because we spent so much money in that place. <laughs> <laughs> but I remember standing there and I was sort of looking around and, and, and Mandy's with the girls were trying to buy the kids something. And I heard this little voice go, Mommy, Mommy. I thought, oh, I've heard that before. And I looked, turned around. I was like, I guess a three-year-old. didn't sit in preschool anyway. This girls, Mommy, Mommy. I thought, oh, That's cute. I said, Mummy, Mummy, I love you, Mummy. I thought, I really know what's happening here. I, I do recognise. Mummy, I love you, Mummy, I love you. She said, I, said, I really love you, Mummy. And I'm pretending not to watch, but I'm listening. And and this little girl, she she said, Mummy, can I have that dolly? She pointed something, at 70 pounds. And uh, so Mummy obviously read the books, because Mummy knelt down. Go, I, I, I'm not going down, because I can't get up again. Um, goes eye to eye and talks to her, and says, no, princess, remember... Princess. Now, Princess, do you remember we said when we came in, we were having a little gift? We i not having a big thing today, we have to the have we have a little gift. Maybe Father Christmas might bring that for you, but we are just having a little gift. Remember, this? is that all right? little girl looked at her and said, I hate you, and ran down the aisle. <laughs> and I thought, oh, and that, that mummy, mummy, I really love you, didn't last very long at all. And sometimes we can do that with God, because as long as he keeps giving us what we want, but well, he's a great God. But when he says no, we don't like it. I don't like it. And it's learning it's learning to actually know what you like and what you need and what you don't like. Because there's a problem is that sometimes we just we don't want the discipline that teaches us the lesson. We don't want we don't want to read the Bible every day so we know the Bible. I want to know the Bible. I want if you watch the Matrix. I'd love to have that some somebody just Programmed into me like ten verses of the Bible, and I knew them all off by heart. Or I'd love to be able to, could you just download me something because I don't want to read a book, you know. I don't want to have to study or anything. Just to, I've got a physics exam tomorrow. Put that into. I, I don't want to have to work at it. You? It's like um, a couple of years ago, my family bought me a Fitbit for Christmas. You never quite know quite to do when somebody buys you something like a Fitbit for Christmas. It's a bit like, hey, we bought you a, sort of a membership for Slimming World. I think. Well, <laughs> And they bought me this Fitbit, and you have to do so many steps a day. Now, this is what I found. Don't tell anyone. But you know, your washing machine? If you work, when your washing machine's going through the spin cycle, if you took your Fitbit and leave it on top of the washing machine, you do thousands of steps. <laughs> I've, got, I've done 10,000 steps. It's just zzzz. I've done 10,000 steps. <clears throat> but it, you don't get any thinner. I don't get any fitter, but I can prove I've done this. I can appear to have done the steps. And sometimes we, we won't appear as if we've done it. But actually, the reason for doing it wasn't to do the number of steps. It was to improve your fitness. So what's the point of cheating? What's the point? Because actually, the goal that God's got for us isn't so we've read through the Bible, but rather that the Bible reads through us. That's what... And Some people can speed read and answer I've read through the Bible in a couple of weeks. But actually, what he wants is... His truth is hidden in here. And sometimes I read a verse in the Bible and I stick with it for two or three days thinking about it. That's what he wants to put into us. Let me sort of close off quickly because I know we might get blown away. We're going to have a kite-flying kite, a kite flying competition after this. So see who can be lifted off the ground the highest. Because <clears throat> one of the things which I think we need a definition of... Um, like Discipline is not punishment, but it's equipping us for life. That's what discipline is. It should, it's a way to equip us for life. But here's another definition. What is sin? What is sin? I mean, don't shout out words. But what is, what, who decides what is sin? I used to think like, in our house, and, like, we weren't allowed to do some things that other people were allowed to do. I spoke to a friend, a young man recently, and he said the police had been around because the music was so loud in their house, the neighbors had complained. And I said, well, you shouldn't. You shouldn't have your music. Nowadays, there's no excuse for that. You shouldn't have your music that loud. Say, it's not me, it's my mum and dad. And his mum and dad were rockers in the 1960s, and they have the music of thump, 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 thump you hear it all the way down the street. I think, Wow, wow. And so in their house, loud music is not wrong. In fact, they don't understand why their son wants to sit with their earbuds and just listen to music. Why don't you want to thump in the, th- feel in your chest? says, so No, we don't want that. And so there's different rules. And you have that conversation, but this. So is sin, just the things that annoys God. It's things that no, I don't like that. So if you do that, I'll kill you. So that that's sin. Well, oh, that's all right. I don't mind you doing that. And that's righteousness. How does it work? How, who decides what's right and what's wrong? Who? And that's quite a big. That's a big word. So we'll just do it in a, a little bit. But but almost. What the Bible says that the wages of sin is death. And I said, sin is something that leads to death. If we can reverse it, engineer and say, I said God looks at what what leads to spiritual separation and death and says, those things bring you here, let's go back and say, don't do it. So sin is something that leads to death. So when God says don't do it, it's important that we learn not to do it. Sin isn't just something that that God didn't like in a sort of capricious sort of way, but it's, it's what leads to death. And that's why we have to be careful, because we live in a society today that wants to change things. That wants to what used to be sins allowed now, almost encouraged. So imagine, imagine I have a a bottle of water here, and it has this sign on it. So I've got a bottle of water here, and it says poison on it. It's, it's actually a bottle of poison. Who wants a drink of poison? <laughs> no, we don't. Say <clears throat> so I know what's upsetting you. It's a label. I'll change the label for you. So this is this is as good as it gets. You no know, powerpoints. This is it. I went to great personal expense for this. <laughs> I, pr- I printed this at home. It's poison. Let's get rid of that poison. Here, here, This is nicer. Let's put this on it. Let's take the bottle of poison and put this label on it. It's called water. Now, who wants a drink of it? You go, know, oh, no. We just saw you take the poison label off. We know, we know what's underneath it. We're not having that. So, but somebody else comes in who doesn't know, I'll say, do you want a drink of water? It's so, always oh, that'd be lovely and they drink it, what will happen to them? Nothing, because it's water. No they'll die. Because it's really poison. It doesn't matter what label you put on it, it's what's on inside. That's why we've got to be very careful in our society that just because we label things that used to be called sin and we say they're not sin anymore, they it's perfectly good for you, does not mean that it doesn't lead to to death. You've got to be careful about what will happen. Another definition, some called repentance. You still with me? Nearly there. Oh, one more page and finished. Repentance. Repentance. The Bible is, is 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 actually to be sorry for your sin and stop doing it. That's normal repentance. Christian repentance is to be sorry for sin, ask God to forgive you, turn away from it, and start to follow Jesus. It's actually more than just feeling. That's remorse, feeling bad for sin. Repentance is beginning to follow Jesus. And one of the the problems is that if you emphasize not sinning, it's really hard. If I said to you right now, in a minute, I don't want anyone to think about an apple. I don't want anyone to think about an apple, okay? What are you thinking about? See, you're all rebellious. Everyone's thinking about an apple or trying not to think about an apple because you can't do it. Not doing something is quite hard. Not thinking about something would be quite difficult but if if i say don 't think about an apple, think about an orange instead but when you think about an orange you 're all right you've you moved on to something else. you might have an apple flash in the background if you 're particularly naughty, but sort of a you have to turn away from one to the other, and actually repentance is to stop doing it if if, you, if your christian is all about not sinning, you become a legalist. Everything about be legalism i 'm not, not allowed to do that i 'm a christian i 'm not allowed to do that i 'm not allowed to do that. I'm not my wife's lost five stone in weight recently. And he asked her how she did it. She said, it's been hungry for a year. I think, it's not a great advert. And, and often we're sitting, we're having something, and she say, I'm not allowed that. I'm, I'm about to put it in my mouth. She said, I'm not allowed that in my diet. I go, well, I am. I, I'm suddenly thinking, oh, your rules apply to me. And if not, Christianity you feel like that. It's all rules. You're not allowed to do that. You're not allowed to do that. You're not allowed to do that. That's why we used to call my dad Bino, you know, the Bino comic. You said my dad was got Bino because he would the Bino this, the Bino the next thing. It's always a bit rules, don't do that, don't do that. But if you concentrate on not doing something, you become a legalist. However, if you concentrate on turning around and following Jesus because you fallen in love with him, Christianity becomes a, an eternal love affair. And that's so much easier to follow the one you love. To keep concentrating on not doing something is quite hard. But to concentrate on doing something which thrills your heart, which is filling Jesus. That's what the love affair of Christianity is, is, is all about. And it takes, it takes a while. And we're not there yet. We're not there yet. I'm not there yet. And you're not there yet. Let me, let me give one example from the Bible. Remember the Apostle Peter? I quite like Peter. Because everyone likes Peter because he sort of says it. Have you ever said something you thought, did that Did that come out loud? Sometimes you, I thought I thought that and I said it out loud. I wish I hadn't said that out loud. I think Peter was like that quite a lot except he didn't bother. He, had, he, he didn't have a filter. He just came out. And actually I quite like people like that. I like people who let me know what they think so long as they do it in a nice way. But he fails Jesus. You know, he's, he's, he swears and he tells this girl, little girl I don't know who, who he is and and so when he sees you, it's a bit awkward. You can imagine it's awkward the first time, i one in one with Jesus. You know, was, and actually, funny enough. John, John they, John's the youngest. He's always hanging around when Peter's getting told off. Have you noticed? So if you get children, if you get more than one, if if you're telling one off, you don't have to look for the other one. They will be they will be in close proximity. They'll be there just just to, not for prayer support, but just just because they just want to hear them be told off. And John's not hanging around here and Peter get told off. or he thinks. And, and Jesus is using these different words for love, because there's, there's, I think there's seven words in Greek for love, and there's three that's used in the, three or four that's used in the New Testament. There's, there's agape love, which is unconditional love, and so far as I can see, that was used for the first time, talking about God's love, and I think it's only available from God. And then then there's uh, phileos love, which is a love between brothers and friends, and there's nostalgia, and, and mother's love, and there's Eros, which is just, I love chips. You know, sort of a... It's, 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 it's a, almost a, a basic level of attraction. So when Jesus talks to Peter, he, he says, Peter, do you love me with all your heart, soul, and mind? That's really what he's saying. And Peter's going... It's embarrassing, because when Jesus asks you a question, you can't lie about it. If John has said to him, Jesus, do you, do, do, do you love do you love Jesus with all your heart and soul and mind, Peter? Yes, I do. But now Jesus is there. He goes, but Jesus knows that's not true. So, And I wish John wasn't listening. And he said, yeah, I love you as much as I can, Jesus. I really, I really love you a lot. And I bet he mumbled it a bit. I bet you tried to say it, so as John. But John wrote it in the Gospel, so... so. He's the, if, if you want to get your own and back people write a book so he says no, Lord I love you, I don't, I don't love you that I'm, I can't, I don't, no you don't I, I don't and then a, couple of, a bit later Jesus says to Peter do you love me all your heart, soul and mind And Jesus, he says I'm really fond of you I'm, I'm, I'm here Jesus I'm, I'm not, you've asked me I'm up there I'm not up there, I'm, I'm sort of down here and the third time Jesus actually says to him, Peter do you love me down here Ask him that, and Peter said, Lord, you know all things. And he's and he's hurt and he's crushed because Jesus didn't ask him the the big one again because he said, That's where I'm at, that's Peter. And we all look up to people like Peter. Do you know that church history suggests to us that Peter died a martyr for his faith? And when they arrested him, they crucified him, he was crucified, but. When they came to crucify him, he said, I'm not worthy to die the death. My Savior died. And he insisted that they crucified him upside down. Now, there's a man that went from loving Jesus there to loving Jesus up here. And I don't know where you are on the journey. You might think I'm not doing very well, but I'm telling you, we're all on a journey. And we're all going from there to there. The main thing to ask yourself isn't, isn't am I doing as well as everybody else, which might help a little bit, but not a lot, to be honest. What really helps is, am I, am I moving on a little bit? Is he still speaking to me like a two-year-old and I'm really, you know, 32? So, am, I, am, I, am I grown up? Am I, am I being more responsible? Can he trust me? Have I learned the lessons? Am I grown? Am I going from, from Lord, I'm really fond of you, to, Lord, I, I love you with all my heart? Because being a disciple is someone who's learned to make godly decisions because he wants you to do what you can do. So he can then go on and do what only he can do. He's looking for a people who will be disciples, who will join up and volunteer to do what what, 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 what we can do so the miracles can be released into our society. Amen. Amen. So, Father, I pray that we will be good disciples of Jesus. Help us not to be the disciples who are... Scared of getting it wrong all the time and end up just being full of rules and legislation and, and legalism. But rather, Lord, let's turn around away from sin and run after Jesus because we love him. Let's be so excited about following Jesus that we don't need to be told not to do stuff. We're too busy doing the good stuff to worry about the bad stuff. And help us, Lord, to, 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 to grow up in you and to make good decisions, become disciples who have learned to make good decisions so as we can do what we can do in order to see you do for only you can do in Jesus name amen